Mark Wright. For those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Bass Agenda 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 Agenda. hours on Bass Agenda and this week as this track says it's all about the sound of the DMX DMX crew Ed Upton fantastic producer from London produces so many different sounds it's untrue somehow manages to pull it all off with a real uh, feel of quality and a feel of a man who really enjoys his music enjoys making it as well we're going to be exploring that for the next two hours all kinds of great stuff coming up for you you name it we've got it and uh, that includes a great in-depth interview with Ed as well. I'm going to be hearing his voice throughout the uh, show as well. And uh, I'm going to try and keep talking to a minimum myself. I'll pop in every now and again and tell you what uh, some of the tracks are you're listening to. If you want to check out the whole track list, the show will be up on uh, soundcloud.com slash bassagenda sometime over the weekend. In the meantime, let's keep it moving.
My mum and dad didn't have many records that I really loved, but you know, they had, they had some records and then that I would go mental to as like a three-year-old, you know. My dad didn't have a hi-fi, you know, like a proper, it was just a, what do they, what do they call it? Like a dancette, you know, like a, a record player and a tape on the, on a big wide flat thing. It was one of those things and, you know, it was knackered, but, um, you could hear, you could hear the song, you know. And me and my brother would try and scratch on it and break it. And then, um, yeah, Top of the Pops, start hearing, start, you start sort of realising that you like some songs more than you like other songs. I think that's such a, such a missing thing from everyone's experience growing up now, because everyone watched Top of the Pops and went into school on Friday and was like, did you hear that? You know, did you hear 19 by Paul Hardcastle? How did they do that funny stuttery noise? Did you hear Duran Duran? Did you, you know, whatever it was. And also, you know, every Sunday they played the whole chart and you'd sit there with your tape, tape recorder and take the ones you liked off the charts. You know, now I look at all the, all the records I bought. I started buying records when I was about five or six with my pocket money. My first single I ever bought was You're the One That I Want from Greece. It doesn't get much, much cheesier than that, does it? But I can boast, I can boast that the first album I bought was Craftwork, The Man Machine. I used to buy seven inches because they were 75p or whatever when I bought Tour de France. And I thought that was an incredible, incredible record. And so then I was motivated to like, I wanted to buy their tape. And I went, I went to, my dad took me to HMV or somewhere and all the tapes were like six quid, but the man machine was, you know, EMI, nice price, 2.99. This is turning into such, we've only just started and it's turning into like an old man's, do you remember when chips were 50p? It's already turning into that, isn't it? <laughs> thing that I could mention that um, parallel with getting into music, listening to music, was was the um, invention of the Casio keyboard. You know, a keyboard that you could buy for 20 quid or, or 30 quid or whatever it was. And I got that I got that for my birthday, the first one called a VL1. I got that for my birthday when I was about, I must have been about 10. Throughout my childhood I got into those Casios and, and Yamaha home keyboards and try to try to make up little tunes. Even before that we had an organ in the living room. You know, this is a this is a 70s 70s upbringing, yeah, we had like a Von Tempe organ, you know. But um well I had these Casio things, you know, I had like um you know the first one was like 20 quid and then you know I pestered my mum and dad and got one that was like 60 quid, you know, birthday and Christmas put together or something and saved up all my pocket money and I gradually got better and better ones. And by the time I was about 16 I got this keyboard that it was like the top of the range of Yamaha home keyboards and it had a synth on it that was a bit like a really basic DX kind of synth and it had a drum machine on it that had so you could program your own drum beat 
and program and play your own song over the top. And um, got a student grant actually. I got a student grant and I went out and bought a 707. And uh, you know, I bought I bought a really cheap sample. I remember going to Eltham on the train and bought a really cheap sample of that car one and carried it home on the train. So I just you know bought bought bits of gear and um, was it was was into it. You know, and the stuff I was making was pretty pretty average not even average it was rubbish you know didn't know what I was doing at all with, with the gear but I would get all this stuff and yeah it was a well for me it's been a really still going on but it's been a really slow long learning curve you know even like the first few years of releasing records I didn't think about the things that most producers think about like I wouldn't think about which snare sound should I use or I just use whatever and it, for me, it was about the song. It was about what notes I was playing, and I did. And I, and I was very slow to like get any kind of grasp of, of production values, really. And I reckon it might come from that background of those little Casios where you only have six sounds. So when I did start getting choices, when I got a sampler or whatever, it took me quite a while to realise how much freedom you actually had.
hate to say it out loud because it sounds pretentious, but it's what I do with my life, you know. And I'm really lucky to, that, that it is what I do, but it's, I'm expressing my personality, you know. And it's not like it's not like a, oh I'll, I'll express you know I'll express my jovial nature by putting a funny noise in this track, but it's, but it just I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this music to get a deal with Sony, and I'm not doing it to impress anyone. I'm not whether it's underground people or mainstream people or anyone. I'm not doing it. For, the only reason I'm doing it is because. I can, you know, because Touchwood, you know, I haven't got to go and stack shelves in Asda's just yet, you know, just just for the minute, it's bringing in enough money to keep me going without me having to compromise in any way. Of course, my personality comes across in it, you know, it has to because it's it's what I'm, it's, yeah, it's what I do. <laughs> David Brent. <laughs> Oh, Korawa, Maneki. Oh, Korawa, Maneki. 
were just sitting on top of a couple of new tracks from uh, DMX Crew. This is off his latest album, 100 Tears, out on Alex Stark's label, Fundamental. Uh, the first track was Ake Lament, and this one we're sitting on top of right now is Transubstantiation. And we're about to slip into a couple of tracks that inspired Ed to start making his own music. First up, we've got Tour de France from the Mighty Craftwork, of course. Ed was very particular about the version we played as well, it's the uh, the original 7-inch version, and here's Ed to tell you about it. What it is, is, is that record came out, and it was a, a sort of minor hit, it got to number 37 or something, and I remember it was on top of the pops, and, and Craftwork didn't appear, but they had, it wasn't Pan's People, but do you remember they used to have like girls to dance to if the band wouldn't appear and there wasn't a video there were all these girls on in cycling gear on bikes just yeah hopeless isn't it it's hopeless not go there but um so that and then and then and then the song was featured in breakdance the movie and the following year it came out again with the francois k remix which is almost the same but but punchier drum like harder drums a bit more bass but, and I, did, I was just being like really particular about the, the version because that was the version I had, was and it's really thin and there's no bass in it at all. There's this really weedy sort of slap bass sample, and the kick drum just sounds like someone sort of tapping their foot. And um, but but it's it's just particular to me because I was again I was ten when that came out, and um, I mean if you were going to DJ if you were going to DJ you'd want the remix. But I just wanted the thin version because I, mean, I wanted to talk about it because that's what I had. And, and um, when you get, you know, when you get really into music, when you get really into music, the, the little details start to matter to you more and more. And um, just that's, you know, that that record. I've still got it. The sleeve is just holding together by a thread, you know. And I've played it. I used to just put the needle on it, just watch it. Just, used to just watch it go, you know, watch it go to the middle and the needle come off and I just put it on again over and over and over. And I knew, I knew all the words. It's in French. I didn't know what any of the words meant, but I knew them all. And um, just thought, just thought it was incredible. Just, I still think it's incredible. <laughs> they were, they were really proper like musos who, who somehow took the decision to not play any more solos and not do any showing off. And they made this kind of decision to, to do this really stripped down, strange music. And, and yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And in fact, Tour de France kind of marked the end of that. Suddenly you could buy a synth for a few hundred quid and you could even buy a sampler for the price of a car, whereas before it was the price of a house. You know, so suddenly everyone had a sampler and, and, and they kind of got caught up, as in everyone caught up with them. But they had, but but they had a sort of five-album run, didn't they? Of, of just being on their own, of there not being anyone else. I mean, there was YMO, but YMO were much more sort of comedy. Keep electro on your agenda at facebook.com/slash/baseagenda.
d'Azur et Saint-Tropez Tour de France, Tour de France Les Alpes et les Pyrénées Tour de France, Tour de France Carrière étape Champs-Élysées Tour de France, Tour de France Pédaler en grand braquet, Tour de France, Tour de France, Sprint final à l'arrivée, Tour de France, Tour de France. Yup, this is the Egyptian Love, and you're listening to the Base Agenda Radio Show, baby. Spider to start making music, showing uh, perhaps the other side of his uh, musical personality. This is the fantastic, awesome track Freeze with IOU.
such a good such a good pop song I'll tell you a fact about that that's Dave Nolla from Dynamics 2's favourite record of all time he told me um, it's just a record that makes you feel like it's the best day of your life it's brilliant isn't it it's just a really good record it's a great song and also Freeze before that had done all these jazz funk records a couple of which are really good you know and in terms of like influencing me that, you know he was playing an SH101 on top of the pops you know, everyone's on a BMX in the video and all, all, all of that sort of stuff that was really cool when you were 10. And, uh, and, the, and the solo that's played on a sample of someone saying A-E-I-O-U. You know, it's the, the um, emulator playing the words up and down. That, that I go on about this a lot, but and it's a bit of an old man thing, but when I was a kid there were records coming out all the time with sounds that you had never heard. There was this moment in the between about 1980 and 86 or something and technical geniuses were inventing all these crazy machines and people were getting them and making unexpected noises you know whether it was IOU going you 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 know or, or um, Paul Harcastle doing 19 and then The Art of Noise and even like even when Duran Duran did the reflex and it's got that bit when it goes flex 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 it's probably just a tape it's probably just a tape edit I remember everyone at school, and on, again, top of the pops, everyone at school on Friday morning going, did you hear the reflex by Duran Duran? Yeah. Did you hear that bit when it went flip, flip? And that's what everyone focused in on, all the little all the little boys at school. like it, it wasn't like, they weren't bothered about what shoes they had or whether girls liked them, what the words were. It was like, did you hear that bit? That bit? What was that noise? I've never heard that noise.
funky party, having a good time When I saw a pair of sexy brown eyes staring back at mine It was a lover from my past that I had tried hard to forget But when I looked into those eyes I knew it wasn't over yet So I said, didn't I make you happy? Didn't I make you smile? Didn't we go together for a little while? Didn't you break your promise? Didn't you break my heart? Didn't you build my hopes up and tear them all apart? See my former lover coming back for more I didn't want to make the same mistakes that I had made before But as I watched her move towards me with that magic in her eyes I realized to my surprise that true love never really dies And she said Just take my hand and dance me across the floor all through the night Don't deceive me We got lost before Several times I've tried to do sort of pop music or like pop influence dance music and um, I've never I've never felt like I've nailed it, you know, my vote I'm not a very good singer and I didn't, you know, my, all my early ones were just done on eight track tape, you know, so you just had to sing it, you just had to sing it in tune and if you didn't sing it in tune you sang it again and you couldn't stack up like eight, eight backing vocals to make it sound a bit meatier or any of that stuff, that wasn't in my technical ability so I was just trying to warble out these songs, you know, so didn't I, Is I feel like I finally made a sort of you know, a singing song, like a pop song or a funk song, or whatever, however you view it, that I'm actually not embarrassed to play to people and go, yeah, that's me singing. And I played all the instruments, you know. Yeah, the, the female, the female vocalist on it is my wife, but um, but um, we 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 never been through that situation. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a similar situation. You know, everyone's been in that situation where you think about getting back together with someone common sense prevails and your memory kicks in and you go, oh yeah, there's actually reasons why we broke up. <laughs> this is Dave Clark and you're listening to Base Agenda.
I make tracks just one at a time, track by track. Very rarely try and do a concept of, a, of an EP or an album. Occasionally, but but rarely. When I was younger, a lot younger, I definitely you know was more or less doing pastiches of things that I liked. You know, my first album, my first album is is trying to do sort of Paul Hardcastle breakdancing music. You know, and then. Um, and, and any kind of originality came from me not being able to do it right and doing it a bit wrong, and, which is, you know, looking back, I'm glad of that because it's got my personality on it a bit because otherwise it really would be pointless. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, that's, that's how I started. It's trying to, like everyone does, you know, trying to copy things that you like. And I still do that to an extent, but I always try and either try and kind of clash two things that I don't think will go together. Like what would happen if I did a... Yeah, try to make a dubstep track, but only using Roland machines from the 80s. Or what would happen if I tried to make a... What would happen if the Sisters of Mercy tried to do a Prince song? Or, you know, and try and make it, try and make this weird collisions of styles of music to see what what comes out. So that's one thing that I've been doing a lot. And the other, and the other thing is just trying to be original, which is it's really, really hard. I could easily... It's easy to be happy just kind of... Being one, of, you know, being one of those artists who does the same thing over and over again and refines it, and you know, it's, and like Wicked Drummer, it's a rave track, isn't it? It's basically, and um, it's kind of a pastiche, but but I also want to try and push into doing something that I haven't done before and trying to think of things that no one's done, which is obviously impossible. But you, at least by trying, you stretch yourself a bit and come up with with, with different ideas. So. So it's so I do both, you know. I do both. It's it's always fun to kick back and just go. Oh, I'm going to make some hip hop, or oh, I'm going to make some techno, or, or whatever. You know, I've just listened to this Apex Twin album. I'm going to try and make that noise he made, or whatever it is. Um, but then, but then it's also I also like to try and push it, push it somewhere else.
a few minutes ago we were listening to Didn't I by DMX Crew and then two more tracks from him we had Wicked Drummer and Orange Squash and now we're going to slip into a couple of tracks that have blown him away lately first up is Giza Plateau from Bintus he's called Milo hi Milo he's a really cool bloke and um, I love what he does he's, you know I'm not against modernity I'm not against progress but I feel like everyone's a lot of dance music has gone down a dead end they've gone into this thing that you've got to have a bit where it, it all fades out and goes trebly and whooshy and then it comes back in a bit louder it's such a cliche it's good it's good on it's good to hear it once in a while but like on every song so i love the you know this no nonsense attitude and i particularly like that track because i like i like 4-4 techno but i like off beats as well weird beats and all those early reflex tracks where it's not a 4-4 kick you know like silo and apex and all, where it's like a sort of a weird beat i love all that
words of uh, John Cleese from Monty Python. Now for something completely different. This is Sophie with Lemonade. Original, isn't it? It's a pop song that you can hum along to, you know, get stuck in your head. But the production style is pretty original. You can tell he's listened to, like, he's probably listened to Aphex Twin and stuff like that, but he's also got a total pop vibe without being awful. <laughs> he's got a pop vibe without being shit, can you say? <laughs> yeah, he's really, I think he's really good. He's got a few other... He's got a few other tracks that are good as well. I've been to a couple of his shows. It was a really funny interview with him on... Um, he was, they interviewed him on Radio 1. He, he had to choose his favourite bass track and he chose Western Girls by the Pet Shop Boys, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> candy Boys, cut, cut, Candy Boys. based labels to come out of the UK uh, probably ever um, and we'll be hearing a lot more about that later on and be playing about uh, half an hour's worth of tunes from that label but uh, worth remembering that uh, he's got a more recent label project running which is called Fresh Up Records and this song here nice crazy funky thing from Ike and Mike called Highly Illogical just gives you a flavour of what to expect go check it out some very nice very fun stuff on that label
I got two types of music. There's good music and there's and bad, 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 bad music. Whatever style Whatever they may be. They may be. <laughs> This one, one I go back to a lot. Love it. Spooky. Cornish influence, you know, that's got that sort of early reflex, um, Aphex, Silo, Bockenfeldt sort of tip, you know. Part of it's from a particular drum machine I had, which is name checked on the EP title. This is the EP is called Broken SD140, and it was a broken drum machine I had that had this amazing um, crunchy sound. But you know. Why did I pick it? Because I like because I like the track, you know. Because because it came out good. Um, a lot of tracks I do, a lot of tracks I do come out all right, and some of them come out rubbish. And that one came out good, and I like it. Um, and I've, I'm really happy to chat to you, but I find it really hard to talk about music. You know, I find in the in the same way like I don't read 
read journalism about music because I said what I wanted to say by writing the tune and if I could have said it in words I would have just written it down on a Ronald Rizzler you know like like it's an expression of what it of what it is it expresses what I was feeling and that that's it next track another one from DMX crew pixel rap Everyone who makes music for a long period of their life goes through times when you just think, I don't know if I've got anything else to say, or all I can do is keep making the same kind of things. You know, if, if you're not happy repeating yourself, then you often you come to a point where you're like, oh, I don't know what, you know, I've run out, I don't know what, and you get afraid that you've really run out. And that was kind of a time I, I'd stopped my label for a while, and then and then I started it again, and I had. I suddenly had a, a big rush of like new ideas and new ways of doing tracks and new new ways of thinking about it and a big creative rush and that was so that was again that whole EP I'm really proud of.
um, Railway Raver and C-Flex Acid Crew and, and maybe Square Pusher and we saw these two acts Railway Raver and C-Flex and I said to Grant well we've got to sign them you have one and I'll have the other one and he signed Railway Raver and I signed C-Flex and, um, and the record was a massive flop because people had got the idea that it was an electro label and I had you know I had blatantly said it's an electro label you know it's my only bass label so or I said it I said it's UK bass so it, it wasn't that popular and it and it, it, it kind of had this really slow momentum it like really slowly built up and we did a second I did a second record by him I thought they were absolutely brilliant I couldn't believe what he was doing um, yeah and it just gradually built up and, and um, by the time I did his album which was much much later we did his album and that was the best selling thing on Breaking and that really paid that really paid for the label to keep going because at that point no one was buying vinyl anymore but yeah the, the C-Flex Acid Crew CD sort of bankrolled the label for a couple of years that guy he just will not he will not do something in a genre you know he invented a thing called genre free music and he makes music that it's not for everyone it's pretty weird but it's um he does his own thing yeah exactly he does his own thing and I respect it so I love it and um it's really um, personally inspired me to um to um try and push myself to not just do not just be in my comfort zone making techno tracks or making house tracks or whatever it is, you know, but trying to say, yeah, I'm slowing down a bit and thinking a bit harder and we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Mm. 
reminder for you that the uh, full track list for the show and uh, downloadable version of the show will be on soundcloud.com slash bassagenda over the weekend. what a label should do is take a chance on people you know I've never I've, I've never liked labels who just released established artists but, you know Reflex is a shining example of A&R what A&R should be you know I was really into their records I was into Aphex Twin and then I found you know a few of their other records like Universal Indicator and stuff and I used to send them cassettes and they never they never ever got in touch and then, um, and then I did a record on a Dutch label. I was sending cassettes to loads of labels. I was sending out tons of cassettes to any label that I vaguely liked. And this Dutch label called DAP, they put out my first single, DMX Crew single. And I said, will you put my phone number on the label? So they put my number on and Grant rang me up. And he said, this is Grant from Reflex. And I'm just meaning to say, well done. You know, we've been seeing your demos coming and I'm glad to see you getting somewhere and you've got a record out. Keep it up. And that was all, and I said, why don't you give me a record deal then, mate? And, um, and he was like, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure about it. I don't have a pen, um, you know. And I said, well, look, I'll send you some more tracks and um, have a listen. And I sent him some more tracks and he was like, yeah, all right, we're up for doing a single. And then, you know, six months went by and didn't hear from him. And then I bumped into him on Camden Market, just randomly. And um, I, I just said, you know, what about that? What about that record? And he was like, oh yeah, I reckon you've got enough for an album. Well, let's, let's do it. And we did it. So it's kind of a bit of chance and a bit of persistence and, you know, a couple of couple of bits of luck. And um, and they became my best mates, you know, and we all lived, we all ended up living in the same bit of North London. And um, they, always had, they always had a good attitude. It was about mates and it was about helping people and putting out great music. And, you know, it was never about how much success can we have or how much money can we make and you know, they used to do a night in central London that was three pounds to get in and once and what, as soon as he'd made his deposit on the club he just started letting people in for free it was, it was totally cool
to record shop I go to a record shop and I go what what have you got and listen to records and buy a couple and this is the first time in about 15 years that I've actually been waiting for a particular record you know and I paid my money before and said right I'll come and pick it up on the day it comes up you know and what's what's really sad is that I've only listened to side A and I'm just going to listen to side A over and over again for a week or two and then I'll listen to side B I absolutely love his music and um so for me it's like I don't want to don't want to just blow it all at once you can't whatever you think about it he, he does his own thing and he does it really well you know he doesn't make it for you or me he makes it for himself and um we're lucky enough to get to hear a bit of it you know I just feel blessed that I can get his album every 10 10 years I can buy an album or whatever it is you know for me that's for me that's just I'm glad I'm alive at the same time you know and that's what I always say you know when you get those people in a club who go can you play something else you know I don't like your music I'm like well it's alright I didn't make it for you you can go not to be a smart ass, but it is kind of to be a smart ass because it's kind of satisfying to say a smart ass thing but but you know but that's the, that's the truth of it I make them for me and I'm really happy that some other people like them because it means I can feed my family without having to do a 12 hour shift down Tesco's people who want to who make music is 
think about this is this is from Nile Rogers actually from Chic. Think about your unique selling point. Um, you know, think about what it is that makes you why someone should listen to what you do instead of what everyone else does. So don't try and be the same as X, Y, and Z. Try and be the next thing that they want to be. All the people who you really look up to, whether it's Aphex Twin or Craftwork or Mr. Fingers or even if it's like Skrillex or they're people who've come out with something that's they're not copying someone else you know they've just come up with their own thing and that's an expression of their personality so that's the biggest thing like you know make make art don't make a product like make something that matters to you and the other thing is all the stuff you can read on forums is bollocks right both aspects of it you can't learn first of all you can't buy anything that'll make you your music better there's there's like a minimum of equipment that you need right and nowadays that minimum is a, is a computer and maybe in the past that minimum was a sampler and a synth and a drum machine and a mixer or something but now that minimum is a computer so you don't need anything if you want to get a particular sound and you want to buy something or buy a nice toy or whatever wicked do it but you don't need it and that's not what's holding you back that's never that's not what's holding you back and and you can't learn techniques from a website either or from a YouTube video you can learn by doing it's the only way you can learn anything is to just get on with it do it wrong and do it wrong and do it wrong and then do it right you've got to put the hours in but if if it's if you if it's the right thing for you to be doing then it's not even hard work because it's just fun so even every every crap track every rubbish track you make think about think of it as a wicked afternoon that you spend messing about I'm passing the hours of my life in in my studio, having a wicked time. I'm not I'm not agonising over whether it's any good and whether anyone likes it. And don't worry about don't look at what the next person's doing. It doesn't matter. Tucker, aka DJ K1 of Box 88. You're listening to Base Agenda. Thank you. 
Well, that whole album, Shapeshifting Shaman, is tracks that I've been saving, that I made them over the last sort of year and a half. I'd kind of been saving them up with the idea of restarting Breaking, which is my old label, and, and thinking these are the best tracks I've done. I kept them back from giving them to labels because I didn't want one to come out here and one to come out there. I wanted them to come out together because I thought they were... They stood, they sort of go together and they're really strong. The guy from Shipwreck, whose name's Ferdinand, he got in touch and said, have you got anything? Do you want to do an album? And I know that he's a cool guy and I know that he'll do proper mastering and nice artwork. And I think that's my best tracks and they're all, you know, none of them, none of them you could say, you know, what we were just talking about, none of them you could say, oh, that's a Chicago house track or that's the Detroit techno track or that's the breakbeat road track. They're all a bit mixing two or three different things together or doing something new or, you know, so that, so Ford March has got a bit of sort of Drexian techno in there and it's got a bit of Prince and Funk in there and, and you know, it's different sort of bit of house all mixed together and, and, um, and I hope it sounds like me, you know, and that's why I'm proud of it because... Because, yeah, you know, I do struggle against... It's so easy to just relax. Because making music's fun, right? And it's easy to just kick back and go into your habits and do what you always do. But yeah, so that's... I'm really... Yeah, that whole album, I'm really I'm really happy about it. And um, that's my favourite track off of it. I don't know why it just is. It's the one that I like the most. Mm. VHS tape of him breaking and body popping, which was what really swung it for me. And I can remember, like, because his, tra- his early tracks are quite rough, and now I really appreciate that kind of rough. I really love, I love hearing records where you can tell it's someone in a room with a load of stuff and machines trying to make it work. But at the time, I sort of thought maybe these are a bit too rough, you know. And um, and I spoke to G from, from Reflex Grant from Reflex, and he was like, "Give, give him a chance. You know, if you do if you do a, do his record, the next one will be better." 
because it'll get him on such a hype. And that was always, that's why I love Grant and I love Reflex, because that was always their philosophy, was like, if they saw a, a germ of spark of something in you, they, they would help you, you know. And, that, and my first album's pretty cheesy, really. It's got a couple of decent tracks on it, but but Grant, saw that, Grant and Richard saw that I was trying to do something different to what everyone else was doing, and they encouraged it, you know. And, and I'm, you know, thank, thanks to them and others, I'm still here. But um, so I so I did, and I put put his record out, and um, and he ended up he ended up doing a really brilliant album, which was the first album we did.
say stop. All the fly girls shake that thing. All the b-boys body pop. There's no DJ who comes close to my electrifying style. Sometimes I kill the snare to let you get your breath back for a while. But when I roll the 808, you are compelled to hit the floor. Computer rockers, I'm sent to give you what you came here for. Computer shock. some of the tracks that were uh, released by Ed on his uh, fantastic Breaking Record label. Incredible label that he ran for, uh, for some years there. 
uh, kicking off there with Mandroid and Rogue Missile, then into Computer Shock by Computer Rockers, and this track we're sitting on top of right now is Without Your Data by Faceless Mind. Coming up next, Fix20, Bass Junkie, and Cybernet Systems. I got to the point where I didn't want to sign artists anymore because I can't pay them because not enough people will pay for a product for me to and I'm not going to take someone's tracks and just say we're doing it for the glory because I wouldn't accept that from someone else towards me you know so so I've tried to you know I haven't made anyone rich I haven't given anyone a career but I tried to um I've tried to sort of be fair and you know give people a few quid and, 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 and all that but what what was it all about it started off um I'd done a couple of records on Reflex and I had I had more stuff than they were prepared to release or than they could release, you know. I had lots of tracks that I wanted to put out. So nothing's changed, eh? Um, so I had this, and I was really into Miami bass at the time and discovering, I was still sort of discovering a lot of the old electro from the 80s, you know. I knew, I knew a lot of it and I was discovering a lot more and, and meeting the Reflex guys, they introduced me to so much, so many records that I never would have found out about. I was into electro and Miami bass, and I thought, let's do a British bass label. So that that was how it started, and I had this track DMX bass. You know, it was like a theme tune for DMX crew and a, and a theme tune for the label. And um, and I approached Kudos, who distributed Reflex at the time, and they said we'd be up for doing a label with you. And I used to send them, I used to send them, even before I was signed, I used to send them demos just because they were just, I just got their address off one of their records, you know. And they helped, they helped me set up the label. They gave me PNT, which means they paid for the pressing. They did the distribution. So all I had to do was choose what music was going to come out and do the artwork and get, you know, get it mastered. It was amazing, you know, and it, but it also it was a time, it was 96, 97. It was a time when you could, press up a record and as long as it was decent you could you could be absolutely sure of making your money back and probably make a bit of a profit you know all those early records all of them we did a thousand and some of them we did a bit more you know some of them we did two thousand because which was easily enough to make your money you know the pressing costs were lower then and the quantities were bigger and it was much easier game to, to be in 
The music doesn't follow you, you follow the music. And that's what really makes a b-boy. agenda. Systems, we are Borg, which is a bass junkie alias. And, um, and I worked in a record shop at the time called Ambient Soho, and a record came in by him, 
up another another record by him and it had a phone number on it. So I just rang it I just rang him up and I said I'm doing a new label and um you know I can't guarantee how it's gonna go but you know I'll bung you a couple of hundred quid if you give me some tracks and then you split any profits. And he was like wicked, alright. That's, that's, that's how I met him, I just rang him up, cold called him. This is Anthony Rotor and you listen to Base Agenda. You will be obsolete in the new order. Uh-huh. 
Public, not for everyone obviously, but for a lot of people, they like to be able to go, that person X, he does X music. I don't just mean like music obsessives, but I just like normal people, like they like to think, oh yeah, I like him because he does that, you know. And if you're coming out with a electro record followed by a techno record followed by a hardcore record or something, it's really confusing, you know. And I sometimes in the past have had bookings where I've turned up and they've been like, you know, after the gig they've been like, we thought you were going to play this but you played that. So I'm kind of very cautious with bookings now to have a good chat. You can't, you know, I like a lot of different music, but you can't turn up to a hard techno rave and play synth pop. You just can't. <laughs> it's usually really bad to be different, although lately, lately it seems to me that nearly every DJ in the world plays quite boring deep house. And lately I've been finding that it's actually been really good to be different because the crowds are bored. A lot of the crowds are bored and if you go on after like five hours, after there's been five hours of the same music at the same tempo and do something quite aggy, not because they're into hard techno particularly, but just because they're out, they're probably pissed and they're out to have a party, you know, and you give them something, with a bit, something different with a bit of energy. I don't know, I'd say it's a short attention span, but I'm just interested in a lot of things.
slip one track in that wasn't chosen by uh, or linked to Ed DMX this week and uh, it had to be this one really. Unfortunately, as many of you will know, of course, Mark Bell from LFO passed away last week. A real tragic loss to, uh, to electronic music and a major influence on so many people. I can think of uh, two or three guests that mentioned or chosen LFO as being a major inspiration to them. And I think we're all blessed to have the legacy of his incredible music. I'm going to let this play out and then explore the hard techno side of Ed DMX.
chatting to a mate of my wife's and he said that he's got a mate who's, who's from Walthamstow, well, I used to live in Walthamstow. So he said, I've got a mate from Walthamstow, he lives in Berlin now and he's trying to start this techno label. And the idea is like big room techno, like just techno for raving to, that's not cheesy. No, no breakdown and build up every three minutes. And all you know, all the sort of little sort of kind of pimping tricks. You know, all these tricks that they put in production that are just pimping to your most basic emotions. Without you know, none of that. Just slamming, slamming techno. So I sent him some tracks. You know, I was just like, oh, I've done this really ridiculous hard techno track. I didn't know what to do with it. So I sent it to him, and he loved it, and he put it out. There's an EP called Electro Worm. It was kind of a joke me and my missus were having about electro-obsessed people and we invented, we invented something called Electro Worm. But anyway, it, it is an electro track um, and it's got a Luke Eagleball remix which I'm really happy about because I love his music. That is Abstract Forms, is the label that Electro Worm's on. And um, he's got another label called Abstract Acid which is his, which is more acidy stuff, and I've got an EP coming on that label as well. Uh, Power Vacuum have just said they want to do an EP, so there'll be another sort of techno EP, and um, I'm going to try, uh, trying to push myself to do something a bit different. And part of that maybe come, uh, a definitely a little bit of that has increased from hearing the new Aphex Twin album, because you know someone like that always makes you want to up your game. And I'm making stuff all the time, so I'm sure there'll be more. But I haven't, I don't know, I don't like to talk about things too far in front of them happening because all the energy dissipates and you look like a mug if they don't happen. Cerberus by Ed DMX, released on Bintus's label, uh, the awesome Power Vacuum label. Before that, another nice banging track from Ed there called Grab the Beat. Coming up to the end of the show now, I want to thank Ed uh, for taking part. A very busy guy, a real pleasure to speak to, and I hope for you guys uh, equally uh, a real pleasure to listen to too. And we're going to keep the banging vibe going in two weeks' time when I return as we're going to be focusing in on the incredible music, the incredible techno music of David Mesa from Spain. Have yourselves a great weekend. Cheers. your shit folks <laughs> we're going away going away going away